All right. Hello and welcome everybody to Critical Conversations. I'm your host, Carissa Dean. I'm so excited. Today we have one of my favorite long-term clients. I've been in Jesse's world since 2020, I think, 2019 maybe. Um, but I think 2020 is really when I met her. Um, and I've been loving on her ever since. Um, Jesse Carr, did you change your last name? No. Okay, great. All right. Don't I just tell Andrew. Okay. We're, we were not going to tell Andrew. So Jesse just got married uh, in April. Um, so Jesse is a human design expert, in my opinion. She actually, I partner with her. Um, any new private client that comes into my world, I immediately um, send her way because the, the power of the, the validation you get, let's say, um, in a human design reading is so important. She's also yoga nidra certified she is uh are you icf certified yeah she's icf certified she's all the things and um today we're gonna have an epic conversation jesse give give a little intro let let them let our people know what did i forget yeah so i'm so excited carissa this will be so fun um my name is jesse carr i I'm the founder of the linger movement i call myself a preacher of pause which We'll probably get into this, but if you had told me five, 10 years ago, that's what I would call myself, I would tell you you were crazy. Um, I was an, an elite athlete. I swam competitively from the age of eight until I was 21, 22 years old and graduated college. Um, so I had a very like go, 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 go mentality. Um, spent many years working in tech at Google. And then I left all of it and I created basically a brand new life, I guess. Like it, it hasn't seemed that way for me, but as part of it, I discovered really the power of pause and slowing down. And part of that journey has also led me into human design, which I am really obsessed with because I think it's a huge, powerful tool amongst many tools to help people learn more about themselves. It's not the end all be all. I don't think anything is. Um, it's one in your toolkit and one that I love to use with people. And really my goal is to help people transform the way they experience their everyday life through very, very small things and radical 180 degree turns. Um, everything is equally important in my opinion, um, whether it's a teeny tiny shift that you make today or something that comes months from now and you're working towards and is like a big lofty goal because everything matters. Um, yeah. I'm super yeah. excited. Awesome. Um, I, I really love how you talked your way through what we're going to share today, which is how, how does one re-identify themselves? So you mentioned that you were in the masculine, you were swimming competitively, you were working in the tech industry, um, which I would imagine is quite, you know, masculine driven. Um, and you left it all. Tell us about what, what happened right before you left it all. Ha. Oh, there's so many things. And I have, reflected on this many times and i think new pieces of it come every time um i think the biggest piece of it was my father died and there's this moment in this reckoning of like sort of picking your head up and saying like what on earth am i doing what is all of this for like that is my favorite place to meet people at because it is 
so powerful. It's a terrible place. Like we don't want to be there. Yet the opportunity when we finally realize, especially I think as women, those of us who have been socialized as women, like I don't even have kids, but I know that when you're in that path of motherhood, on top of all of the other things, all of a sudden there's a little bit of this, like whether you refer to it as an aha moment or an awakening or a whatever of like, wait a second, what am I doing? (laughs) And I had this like, I'd been saying I was going to leave Google for years. I was there for 12 years. I thought I would be there for two. Then it was like, you know, get to five. And, you know, they just keep keep giving you things. They're feeding the beast. Um, and it was very, they were very good to me. And I loved it. And I loved the people that I worked with. Like, I don't have anything really negative to say. The experience gave me everything that I need today. Um, but in reflection, like there was so much that was messed up about it, yet I needed to go through all of it. So I got to this point of being like, the timing is never perfect. I wanted everything to be perfect, right? I like things in order. I like a path. I like to know what's coming. Um, And I had to come to terms with the fact that like nothing, every step in the path wasn't going to be laid out for me. Much to my disappointment. um, Also to the learning of like, I have to figure it out on my own. I wanted everyone else to save me because it was everyone else's fault that like I wasn't happy or that I was, you know, I was doing a lot of shopping to like satisfy all of the needs <laughs> that I, that weren't being fulfilled in other places, but I didn't know that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there just came this reckoning and this like, okay, the time is never perfect. Now is the time to go because I have been piddling around this massive change that needed to happen for way too long. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you said. You were kind of shopping around and it was everyone else's fault. Tell me about that in relation to your clients and the people you work with, because I think that there is a commonality when people come into um, our spaces, you know, as mentors and coaches, they, there is this like overarching theme of like, well, it's my husband's fault. It's my kid's fault. Like it's every, like I'm pointing the fingers. Tell me about your experience with that and what your thoughts are. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I grew up and I established myself as a very high achieving person, right? As a swimmer, um, you know, you're a dancer. So like you were used to being judged as a swimmer. It was very time time-based, right? It, it was very cut and dry. Like you either did it or you didn't do it. You beat them or you didn't beat them. So in my mind, right? And I was trained through my coach, love him to death, but like probably have a few issues here, r- residual from this, like put your head down and go, right? So I thought I just do all the things and then I'm supposed to be rewarded. I did all the things. Why didn't I get promoted? Why didn't I, why don't I have the love of my life? Why don't, why am I 30 and still haven't, you know, haven't found the person I'm going to marry? I thought I was going to do that at 26 or whatever the story is, right? So I was looking externally, refusing, honestly, to look internally because it's easier to blame everyone else, Mm -hmm. even if we're not actually doing it, right? Like, I don't know that I would have 
certainly from a work perspective, I would have said, oh, it's so-and-so's fault. Like I didn't get promoted or they don't, they don't, they're not doing X, Y, Z, right? Sure. There's lots of excuses in that. Personally, I would have just like skirted around anything and, you know, was jealous of other people because they had been married or had partners or whatever it was, right? There's all this little, little pieces um, until there's that point at which you were willing to say, oh, <laughs> this is on me. And it's, it's still a learning, right? Like however many years in of, of having left Google, um, like eight at this point, I don't even know, I lose count. Um, like I, it's, there's still pieces of it that are being unraveled and places where I catch myself to, to really have to come back and say, I can't control what so-and-so is doing, what their response is, what their emotional feelings are about it. I can only control myself and how I show up and I can choose how I show up. Um, and so I think from, yeah, like the people that we draw in, especially when you're drawing in women who are high achieving, who want to be go-getters, right? The things that we're taught, we're not always taught the feminine and the receptive side and the slower side. Um, because we're told that that's not good, right? Or our male counterparts are rewarded for behavior that has been deemed appropriate and we're put down for, for other things. Um, so really being able to help people step into the ownership slowly, right? It, it's, it's a piece by piece thing, I think. Um, and that's where things like human design or other tools, whether it's Enneagram or, you know, whatever it is that you're into, um, for me, it's really, it is human design because it gives you this perspective of like, this is who I am. And this is who you can see who other people are, um, from an energetic perspective from this sort of like some very key pieces that allow you to be like, okay, that's okay. I'm okay. Yeah. And, and they're okay. And, and okay, now what, now what do I, what do I do? What's my next step? Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I mean, I love human design and part of why I think it is beautiful to coexist in a coaching or mentorship is because really what, you know, you mentioned that we're learning, but there's a piece of it where we're unlearning, right? Because I think, you know, when you bring in this human design aspect, you're giving permission to be the authentic self. And so in that permission to be the authentic self, you're unlearning what the world taught you, right? So it's like learning who we are and unlearning what the world told us is right for us, right? Like put your head down, yeah. be a good girl, put your head down, do the damn swimming, like go forth, like don't ask questions, like these kinds of things. So you mentioned, you know, feeding the beast did you burn out like what happened you know you, I mean your dad died you know these big life things happened but what was the thing that made you be like I'm out I think it it, it was that realization of like it was more painful to stay there. than to leap into the unknown yeah um and I I had I have an Insta, like someone posted something on Instagram, like just a, an image with a, with like a saying in it that I have saved in my, in my Instagram account. I'm like waiting for the right moment because I want to write a blog post about it because it, it's, 
at some point you get to the realization point of like what is is more painful and uncomfortable than the discomfort of the unknown of the future yeah and i had for years been going back and forth and as i said i was waiting for that like you know the yellow brick road the perfect path to like lay itself out and say like you know <laughs> me waiting the heavens to part and be like ha this is and and honestly for the first certainly the first like 2 years that i left google and i was really just like gallivanting around the world because i was just like i don't know what like what is like like yeah. what is it when you're outside of these paths that other people have defined for you i had no idea how to find my own path and i was literally i was waiting i was still in that like it's someone else's job <laughs> for for a while I, you know this sort of like when is the right person going to step into my life and say go this way or mm-hmm. I'm going to have that like aha moment of like, this is the right thing. I've yeah. had little pieces of it, but I- I'm still waiting. Maybe, maybe one day there's going to be that like lightning bolt that comes from the heavens that says like, this is the very clear way. But like, we're each meant to do different things. And I know from my human design, for example, like one of the things that I learned very early on is I have an open identity center. Doesn't matter if this means nothing to you, but like it means in essence that like I am designed to have many different identities. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is designed that way, but like it was very affirming when I learned that. It was like, you're going to go on many journeys. I am designed to be a storyteller. I can't give you the straight up facts. I'm going to pepper in my experience. It just happens. I try not to do it. And then it's like, no, I can't. Like, whereas other people are going to be very sort of logical and factual and like, this is how it goes. Right. Like, I'm a historian, but I am an emotional and experiential historian. I will give you a few facts, but it's mostly going to be <laughs> the experience. And it's like little pieces like that were like, okay, that's correct for me. And now how do I take that forward? Yeah. So really what you did is you took your own life back into your own hands. Yeah. So if we're talking about, you know, this, this overarching mission that, you know, really is about helping people take their power back or take their life back into their own hands. And what gets in the way is waiting what do you believe most people need to change? Oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> you know, I part of the struggle, I'm not sure struggle is the right word, but it's the only thing that's coming to me right now. I think one of the things that I grapple with, um, because I fall into this as well, is like we're taught and conditioned for like the quick fix and we want the answer and we want the direction and we want the path right and so i think when people try something yeah that they see working for someone else and it doesn't work for them they get discouraged yeah i've i've done it too right like even in business in life whatever whatever it might be right and 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 when you then layer on top of that, like, 
certainly for myself and for many of us are perfectionist tendencies that we then get stuck and stop dead in our tracks and goes back to the like the complacency in the comfort i use air quotes there um for people listening is really discomfort but we've been we've adapted to it and the discomfort has been become comfortable and i think that's what holds us back and so unfortunately for many people it's some like life experience whether that's illness death unfortunately or just something that happens as this like catalyst um and so my hope is like how can we be the catalyst to provoke people to to invite them to change to show people the way by the way that we live by the conversations that we have um because i do think it it's it's like those marketing things where they tell you like a someone has to see a message what is it 10 times 11 times before they buy um so my my whole hope is like i'm just going to keep saying the same things over and over again and at some point it will land for someone so at some point hearing the right message at the right time like i somehow some way heard the message at the right time of like you can do this you can take it wasn't you can take your power back but that's in essence what it was right yeah i mean i think i talk a lot about like choosing right and and i think we're conditioned to believe that life isn't a choice and i see that in the ways in which we're raised right where it's like you didn't get a lot of, I mean, some people do get choice and good on them, but there are a lot of ways. I know when I was raised, I didn't have a lot of freedom of choice. It was like, well, this is what we do. This is why we do it. And don't ask questions kind of a thing. And so it's like, you get that in your home, then you get it in school. And it's like, who's nurturing the exploration of the self? Who's really inviting you to know yourself. And I think that's the power of human design is it's this beautiful tool that is so unique, right? Like there's no two readings that are the same. It's like, we're, and, and that permission, like if we had that earlier in life, I just think about like, what would the world look like now? Yeah. I mean, they, they, some of the like original materials, um, from the guy that sort of downloaded and received a lot of the human design information um, and then made it sort of a system talks about like, it's not for us, it's for our children. Mm. Because if we can start our children and raise them in a different lens from which we were raised, um, that's where the power becomes because we are shifting, we are evolving, it's always changing. We can work on ourselves and I think that we should. And yeah, how do we empower other generations to do it in a more empowered way? Um, And, you know, I think also, yeah, it's easy to get stuck. It's easy Mm -hmm. to think we don't have choice. Um, And that's where like starting with very small things, right? It's daunting to be like, I'm going to transform my entire life. But like, what's a little thing that you can do today? Like that's, that's where I love to play, right? Like 
start each day like what's going to surprise me today like yeah just priming your mind right this is also why i love the neuroscience around stuff and like love reading and learning it's like the stuff people are researching that matches the experiences that i have and it's like people get to study this like that's cool yeah and now i just get to like share it because i missed the boat on the you know doing it from an academic setting and that's fine yeah well you didn't miss the boat you just have the choice of going back to school again or not (laughs) i'm gonna let that ship sail i think yeah But it's interesting, you know, as you're talking, I'm sitting here being like, okay, like, I don't know at what point my mom was like, oh, you can choose what you want to wear. But I do remember many times, this is what you're wearing, and we have to fix your hair and your hair has to be a certain way. And I look at how I'm raising Ruby, where I like, I have zero say, like, I literally have zero say if I buy her like I was at Target last night, doing elf on the shelf stuff and getting things ready and, um, you know, helping the elf buy all his goodies. Right. So I'm at target and I'm like, Oh, this outfit's so cute. And I wanted to buy it for her, but I'm like, if I buy it, she'll never wear it. You know? So it's like, but that's where this next generation, I'm so excited to see what happens because I feel like there is more freedom of choice. You know, I was a dancer. So of course, you know, we put her into dance and she like, hated it. I mean, she loved it for a little bit, but then she got to the point where she's like, I don't want to do it anymore. And it's like freedom of choice, right? So it's like freedom of choice, freedom to explore who you are. But I think where we get tripped up and what you're saying is we have to believe it before we see it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, the thing that just came to me when you were talking about Ruby and the, and the dance is, you know, one of the things that I recognize about myself is that very early on I was excellent at something and I love and I and it rewarded me and I loved it and it was great and my best friends were other swimmers like but it created this path and I didn't I think it is different now I think it's different now um you know I was just so like head down I didn't I didn't desire choice because mm-hmm. everything that I was doing. And so it's this sort of like weird, you know, reward system almost um, that gets re-ingrained. And so for me, it's made it very difficult for to like, I'm afraid to fail, right? I, yeah. I'm unlearning the, the those perfection tendencies and those those reward systems of doing it really, really well and doing it at a high level and not really having to fail, quote unquote, like I swam poorly. Okay. I I know that I just get back in the pool and do it again. But like, um, other things are very scary in, in that perspective. So yeah, the more that we can learn to trust ourselves and bring it back to like, most things aren't life or death. Um, and telling our nervous system that is a whole like training and unlearning is something I'm loving diving into um because i i think that's where it starts right we have to believe ourselves and trust ourselves while rewiring our like minds and our nervous system to be like no it's actually okay like we are safe um and so having safe spaces whether that's in a coaching 
container, mentorship, group, whatever, it, you know, friends, whatever it is. Um, I think that's really, you know, really critical to any development, any changes, like whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think the the thing that um, that you made me think of is, and this is my next question for you, how important is it, or or maybe you can speak to your experience and now what you believe to be true, but I'm curious what 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 is the value of your circle being a circle that is like, do it. I dare you. I believe in you. Yeah. I mean, I will say, and one of the things that I very quickly recognize and I, I tell people that are in this sort of like shedding of different identities, making dramatic shifts in life, like going from a corporate environment to like out on their own and cons- whatever it might be. The group of people that you surround yourself with is absolutely critical. You need people that are going to cheerlead you in both that like hype up and challenging way, like to kind of call you out, but you have to also, and this is painful. And this is where sometimes there can be sort of a grieving process of like, there are going to be people in your life that are not going to believe in you. And because they're jealous, they wish they could have done something similar or they just will never get it. Um, And that is not going to be healthy as you embark on new things, new transformation, whatever it might be. So having that circle of people, and again, they don't have to be like, yes, men and yes, women, like, you know, but to some extent, it's like, they need to be the ones on your side. And push all of the other naysayers out of the way because there were plenty of people when I said I'm leaving Google I'm giving up I'm going to give up my apartment all this stuff that were like did not believe that that was humanly possible for whatever their life experience had created for them um and I just had to ignore it and I had to surround myself with people that were like heck yes go for it like yeah. You've been saying you were going to do this for years. Now you're finally doing it. We're here. We're here to like catch you and here to like push you forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, in my experience as well, um, I don't even talk to the same people two years ago, let alone five years ago. I mean, it, it, is, it was a complete shedding because what I had done, and I think the biggest thing for me was I shed the drama. Like, yeah, I was addicted to this cycle of like, well, I'm avoiding, I'm avoiding my shit. Let's dig into yours. What you got today, right? And so the moment I became uninterested in the drama and I didn't have time for it anymore because I was like, I'm actually over here, like uncovering, unlearning, healing, I'm, I, I understand that I'm judging. I understand that I'm like perpetuating some, an experience that I no longer want to have. And so it's like, when you start to detangle that you do naturally shed and things <clears throat> can get harder for a second. They feel a little lonely, but I would say like the more persistent you are in like, no, this is the life experience I want to have. Right. 
I want to, to, to feel these ways. Right. So for me, it was like, I wanted to be free. I wanted to feel free. What does freedom mean for me? It means that I can do what I want when I want because there's space for it. So it also included space and joy. And so I think it's this concept. We stay stuck because it really does mean potential loss and grief. And, and, um, I talked about this in a podcast episode with Samantha Blossom, where we talked about, are we just addicted to the suffering? Like, so in your opinion, Jesse, are we addicted to it or can we, can we even see it? I think in a lot of cases we can't even see it. I think we, until you have that moment, that sort of like, I'm going to pick my head up because like our brains have this like hedonic adaptation where we adapt to whatever is in our environment right and so we get used to it and it doesn't seem unnatural and it often takes someone else coming in it's like why do we stay in bad relationships why do we stay in toxic work environments when it's really uncomfortable it comes back to that question of you know at which point do you reach the like, it's more uncomfortable to stay where I am than to launch into something new. Um, I think there are aspects where we probably are like addicted to it because it it also gives us probably some type of like dopamine hit, right? Like it feels good for a second to, yeah. to gossip and to do, you know. So I think oh, yeah. there's aspects that we're addicted to and things I certainly still do, but, it, but then I quickly realized that that's not the vibe I'm going for. But ooh, that that it felt good to hear that juicy tidbit <laughs> for ten seconds, right? Like mm, it yeah. feels good. Um, but I I think really what ultimately holds us back often is things that we aren't willing to notice um, because it's unknown on the other side. Yeah, and we're afraid of what the other side is, even if, as we now know, right, we're maybe on the other side or still scaling the wall or whatever it might be. Um, You know, it it is, it's a choice of what do I want to surround myself with? What is the energy that I want? And, but you have to have awareness to it first, right? You, you and I both know, right? The the first step is awareness until you bring awareness, nothing changes, absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah. That's my number one thing in my, in my method is we got to get aware. Okay. I have two questions. We're going to slide over 30 minutes, but I promise we'll bring this to a close soon. Um, this just dropped in and it's juicy and I want to ask it because I know you lived in kind of this masculine dominated world. Who has it harder to change men or women? Oh, like the first thing that comes to me is like men just choose to do whatever men choose to do. Like it's easy for them to be like today I'm this and tomorrow I'm that. And I don't know. Um, I think the conditioning on women is, is harder, but again, this is my perspective and like, you know, I, we live in a patriarchal society that has put so many layers on us that we don't even recognize. Um, and like five, six, seven years ago, I would have, I had no clue. Like I was like, I grew up in a very, not only like masculine energetic 
sort of environment, but like very male dominated. And I didn't, that was how it worked to me. Like I didn't want to go to a college with a female coach. This is me at at 17. Wow. I didn't understand that. Would that have been transformative to my life? Maybe in a, you know, but I was like, no, I don't understand a female coach. I need a male coach. And so it's all of these things, right, that start at a very, very young age that until, again, we pick our head up and be like, there might be something beneath that. Um, I just, I think for women, there are so many expectations and so many unspoken things that come from the society that we live in. And that Mm -hmm. is not to discount at all the silence that I think a lot of men live in. Yeah. Because there isn't space for them to do it. And, and the self-transformation and work and blah, blah, blah is very feminine. Yeah. And a lot of people stay away from it. It's, yeah, I don't know. I could make arguments all day on either side. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole episode on itself, which I definitely will be happy to bring you back on for, because (laughs) I do think, you know, I think that men have it hard, but I think that women were boxed in for longer. I think that men are starting to see that they can choose to be more feminine or have more feminine roles or maybe not work as hard. Like I see a lot of men now, you know, even Nigel's like, yeah, baby, like be the breadwinner. That's amazing. Um, So I feel like the permission came faster and easier because the conditioning was less um, of a time period. Right. Because I think long-term the fact, just the fact that we have a womb and are naturally like the motherly, we have to carry the baby, you know, kind of a thing. It's like that whole, like, well, then she's just the homemaker kind of that role. It just slides in so naturally. So anyways, my last question is if you were to give anyone advice just based on the conversation we're saying about changing your identity, changing your life, choosing yourself, um, fighting the patriarchy. Like what, do, what do you want people to know, um, that would empower them to do something different? The first, the first piece of it, because this is what I preach all day long is it is okay to slow down. Yeah. Um, it is scary. And I could talk about it for, for years. Um, there's a fearful space there and it's okay. It's safe. Um, and start small, start by reclaiming moments in your every day that are for you. And Um, it's, it's scary to, to, when you come to the realization that like, oh crap, all of this is on me. I have to do the work. Well, that is a lot of pressure and that's pressure we've been trying to avoid. So what are very small shifts that you can do? What are things in your home? Where can you ask for help? Where can you ask for space? Um, that allow you to begin to pick your head up, begin to catch a breath, 
so that you can do that first step of awareness. Like yeah. you can't change anything until you kind of have taken an inventory. Um, and it's personal and it's going to take as long as it takes. Yeah. Sorry. There's no pill. <laughs> there is no pill. I mean, it's funny. People come to me all the time and they're like, well, how long? And I'm like, babe, if you're going in, you're going in for life. Like, yeah. it's a it's a never ending onion. Some layers will peel off nice and smooth. Other ones are going to make you have to set it down and you're going to cry it out for a hot sec. Like, um, so really slow down, start small. That's what people need to just like, if you ingest anything today, where can you slow down and how can you start small shifts? Um, Jesse, tell our listeners, where can they find you? Um, I'm most active on Instagram. It's at the linger movement. Um, or my website is just jessicar.com. Um, but yeah, most of my time is, is on Instagram and a little bit of pause, a little bit of human design, a little bit of all the things, my dog, my husband, you know, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining this. I would love to have you back. And um, thank you everyone for listening into Critical Conversations. Thank you. So fun. Awesome. Have a great one. Bye.